Welcome to the Heroes of Reality Podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Are you interested in finding ways to use technologies as tools to help you become better, to help you become more, to help you not be codependent or dependent upon the technologies, but use it as a way to serve you and serve humanity? Well, on today's podcast, I have Patrick Hillsbow. He is passionate about music, harmony, and beauty. He has deep experience in applying advanced neuroscience technologies for transformative experiences with a proven success track around serving Fortune 500 companies, leading universities, and high-growth startups. He is the CEO and founder of Neuromore, which empowers leading companies to integrate and optimize neurotechnologies and AI, resulting in smarter experiences, applications, and ecosystems. So without any further delay, I'd like to welcome the long-awaited Patrick Hillsbow. Hey! Hello! <laughs> I'm so excited to get you on, man. Uh, we've, we've had some back and forth, um, some, some missed opportunities uh, for us to be able to connect. And so, and uh, not even, you know, technology will prevent us from getting together. So I'm excited. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for, for having me. And yeah. I'm also very glad that we made it. Yeah, brother, absolutely. Um, totally resonate. You know, we were talking before the show a bit about, you know, what's the message you want to get out there and what does that look like? And, and there's this there's this this idea of using technology as a tool versus having technology use us as a tool and really having it serve us to become better in the mental health space and other spaces. And that's the message that you really want to get out there. Um, I'd like to kind of kick things off just a little bit, just kind of understanding a bit of your journey um, yeah. to brought you to Neuromore and what you do today. Can you kind of paint the dots of the journey of how you got started and brought you up to the space? Oh, yeah, totally. So um, I was born and raised in Germany and I got started pretty early with technology. So like, since I can remember, I was like drawn to like, switches cables you know like there's like those family stories that when i was like four or five years old i was kind of like taking things apart and like playing around with stuff so it was like from the very first beginning kind of like that yeah that draw towards like tech and then that also resulted me in uh, starting my first it software company back in 1999 when i was 13 years old so what yeah. i did then was was the early days of uh, the internet and vpn and i kind of like helped companies to do secure communication over the internet and since then i've been involved in many different companies and startups that were all of them were focused on it and software so from a networking standpoint over Cybersecurity. I was involved in the creation of some semantic expert systems, kind of like AI, but like not in the way how people use it those days mostly. So not deep learning, but like having a bunch of rules and a knowledge graph to kind of like answer particular questions. So I've been doing that until 2013. Um, and I guess initially inspired through my dad, but then also other influences, I guess, starting with like 12, 13, 14 years old, 
I also got somehow interested in spirituality and human behavior, psychology. So it was a hobby. And when I was younger, I didn't put a lot of attention to it. But then my dad, when I was 18 years old, like took me to India. I spent some time there and it was kind of like living, like during the day I had like my software, cybersecurity, software architecture job. And at night on the weekends and every spare time, I used to travel around and read. And um, I always have been curious in the full spectrum. You know, there was like a weekend where I attended a neuroscience conference. And the next weekend I found myself at a quantum healing hippie-ish, you know, like oh, gathering yeah. and just like soaking it all in. And that resulted in me in um, 2013 by an emotive epoch. So I had like many different variables and biosensors and I like playing around with them. I got very excited when emotive released the kind of like one of the first consumer facing and legit brain computer interfaces. So I bought myself one of those and I have to admit the first couple of days, it was insanely exciting, you know, like looking at my brain waves and tinkering around, uh, around with their SDK and I saw the potential of that, those tools and technologies, you know, like back in the day, like I've been hacking computer systems. So then I also kind of like disembarked on like hacking the mind, hacking consciousness and like hacking in terms of like building tools, exploiting things, you know, kind of like seeing what we can do, like those days we also have like that branch of like neurohacking, like consciousness hacking is out there, biohacking. Yeah. None of those things like really existed or at least have not been in my awareness, you know, like back mm -hmm. in the day. And yeah, went online having that device and saw all that research, having a brain computer in the face. So I stumbled over a lot of research in the realm of neurofeedback and automated CBT, like cognitive behavior therapy and so on. And what I wanted to do initially was very simple. It was like, oh, there's all those PDFs, you know, Google Scholar and you name it. And I just wanted to put that research to work. I was like, okay, there's like clearly written what needs to happen. I have a device, I can do coding. I have other people with coding, so it cannot be that complicated. So initially I was looking for software that enabled me to put the research to work, but I didn't find any. Mm -hmm. I stumbled up over like two or three tools, but they felt like, like not sexy, very limited. So I kind of disregarded them. And over the course of the next couple of months, so like the whole journey started then like early 2013, like finding that tool. And what happened like after a couple of months, my back in the day consulting cybersecurity company ended up partnering up with the University of Stuttgart, their Institute of Human Computer Interaction. And we started to create a first prototype, what's now known as the Neuromore Studio, uh, like a simple push button, easy way where you can almost draw what's written in those papers to put the research to work to apply it. Mm. That's awesome. So, I mean, one it's 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 funny because I've just noticed this as there's there's a there's a, a journey that especially people in this transformative technology type of spaces where you go and you kind of 
overdeveloped that prefrontal cortex learning and growing and really doing right and then there's a gap that you feel of of the other side of yourself the uh, the embodied the feeling the sensory you know uh if you want to call it the vagus nerve limbic system part of things that is all about the feeling sensational right and so you go okay how do i get these two worlds to, to merge together the productivity the doing going that and then the flowing and letting go or if you want to talk about it the masculine and the feminine energy whatever whatever you want to communicate it as um and i like how you're kind of you're bridging these things together because sometimes it's very hard like the uh the flow culture uh it's very difficult to quantify and 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 measure you know flow states and what does it look like to be mindful and happy and all that stuff and you're you're, you're bridging these two worlds together that don't always fit and you talked about you know that technologies are let's say that's frameworks and protocols and health protocols cbt and all those other ones work right and then you're quantifying certain behavioral effective changes using AIs and other types of systems, I'm sure uh, brainwaves and HRVs and other types of data sets. And you're combining those two frameworks together. And you're saying, okay, if I apply this framework, I'm turning this into a game and I'm getting these results based upon this framework for effectively creating human behavioral change, because that's what we're talking about right now. The ability to shift one's person's state from A to B, whatever that might be so, or C. So looking at that, you're talking about, okay, so what are the frameworks that you're talking about that actually work? And then how are you measuring it with AI or, or biofeedback specifically? What does that, what does that look like in terms of someone's here, they're upset, they're an overburned A-type, they really want to get mindful and okay, so normally say go off to the jungles and take a whole bunch of ayahuasca and come back enlightened. That's, that's one path. You're talking about using biofeedback and other frameworks to be able to shift them into a more holistic human. Can you speak more to that? Yeah, absolutely. And that also relates to the to the journey that um, we have been on like since Nuremberg, because after we had that initial uh, prototype of the software, I also decided together with my co-founder that we want to fully focus on Nuremberg. Mm -hmm. So we kind of like quit our like previous lives, you know, like working for corporations in the cybersecurity space and then focus. Okay. Let's fully focus on normal. And I would say we have been pretty naive and pretty excited because in early 2014, we were like, Oh, we have the Holy grail, you know, <laughs> we have the tools and the technologies, we've yeah. democratized mental health, you know, like pills are stone age, you know, we can digitize all the things that the world needs to heal to feel better you know and just roll it out well the market hasn't been really ready so um we ended up pretty much in the in the space or kind of getting a deep understanding of what you just asked for because for the next two and a half years uh we have been mostly working with universities and neuroscience labs, consciousness researchers, providing them with a software platform. So we're a software company. We don't do any hardware, but we connect to different um, modalities. And with modalities, I mean, we started off with like brainwaves, brain computer interfaces, but then also are the heart rate, heart rate variability, galvanic skin response, camera streams, and so on. And just serving universities, and researchers and 
also like to be in full transparency it has been a struggle because initially we tried to monetize it and they were like okay like it's not easy to do that and then i also felt like an analogy would be like i was like oh those are the artists and like spotify is not charging like the artists you know like spotify is like trying to get as many of the artists on the platform They're trying to roll it out so initially we spent a lot of time with the artists the scientists mm -hmm. um and got a really broad understanding what is out there what is working what is not working so well and so on and from a quantification standpoint um we have been initially involved with more objective assessments which means if we look at brain waves you know there's certain frequency ratios based on uh, placements quantitative EEGs where you look at like the, the whole brain and kind of like frequency uh, relations to it um if we talk about hardware variability you know then you also look at the spectrum to a very basic thing is to understand um what's the what's the ratio between your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system kind of like how stressed are you you know if you have a whoop you know like the number of what's my hardware variability currently you know like mm -hmm. um those kind of things to have an objective understanding if you talk about hr yeah, how stressed are you Am I? Or if I look at certain areas of the brain and say, oh, maybe there's a little bit too much alpha, like Zeta, then oh, maybe I have some ADHD here, you know, like on a very like objective level. But then yeah. later on, we also added subjective assessments because mm -hmm. we realized that it's totally possible that the data points tell us, oh, it should be very stressed, but if I ask you, like, how do you feel? I say, I'm totally fine. So what are we going to do now? Should I convince you that you should feel more stressed or should I just like say, oh, like, <laughs> just maybe stick with it, you know, which has been one of the, one of the issues with um, a bunch of sleep research projects that we have been involved in, which is yeah. very interesting because if you wake up and you're tired, and eventually you already know it. So there's no real benefit of a system not telling you, oh, they're letting you type. But what we've also seen on the other hand, that is a lot of people woke up and they felt totally fine until they looked at the data and then the system told them, oh, you should be tired. <laughs> and then guess what happened, you know? Yeah. I get that a lot with Whoop. It actually really annoys me um, with the Whoop because like, I'll get eight hours of sleep, but I don't get sleep from the night before, or whatever. And it goes, you need it. You need a 10 and a half hours of sleep. I'm like, no, I don't. I went to bed. I woke up when I'm ready. I'm good. Like, I know you're telling me that I need more. And I, and I like the, I like the game of seeing more of my REMs go up and all that jazz. But when I see it, I'm like, I don't need 10 and a half hours of sleep to get out of my sleep debt, quote unquote. Yeah. I don't need it. I don't, I don't, I went to bed. I woke up. I got eight hours of sleep. I'm good. Let's, let's get this party started. Um, and so you're right. There is a bit of that, um, you have three ways to measure it for anybody that's curious, right? You have objective, right? Observed and self-reported, right? Those are the yeah. three ways that you can really, you can really report the data. So objective data is what you're talking about. The biofeedbacks, the AIs, the measurement tools, uh, you know, the, the galvanized skin response, all that stuff. So you have that. And so you're adding in the self-reported, you know, surveys. How do I feel? What does that look like? Um, and, but I don't know if you have any objective, but it sounds like you're doing that with, you were doing that with some of the universities, right? You were, yeah. you were having that, that trifecta of measurements, the A, B, and C. Have you, have you integrated that into the Neuromore um, system? Cause you're talking about it as a software platform. So is it, 
you do you do biofeedback reports along with self reports along with objective reports can you talk to me about who specifically uses neuromore and then how they're actually applying it and i know it's a startup we're you know going through things and growing but who currently uses it and how are they applying it to get results yeah so that's a that's a great question um, because the whole analytical space has been very, very spent maybe the first two years in, but me personally, um, yeah, I was about to say, I don't really care about, you know, so much how things are. I'm really fascinated about how they could be, you know? So mm -hmm. what does that mean? We can assess you in a particular way, mm -hmm. um, but to be... I guess to be precise, there is no feedback or not a lot of feedback involved, like in the overall experience. It's kind of just like measuring you, eyes open, eyes closed while you do something. And then we have a, a snapshot of your current mind and body state. Mm. What so is really fascinating yeah. and um, where we got into starting with um, end of 2015, 2016 is now the feedback part, the neurofeedback, the biofeedback part. Because if we now apply that, we have a closed loop learning system. So now it's um, not really focused anymore on where you currently are at. Mm -hmm. um, that, that initial analysis determines what you should be or what you could be training, what you could be working on. Mm -hmm. And what it's now possible with the system that we have that kind of like does the analysis in real time and then feeds it back to you to kind of like teach you something. Um, that's what really, really excites me. And initially we have been uh, working with uh, neurofeedback um, loops, kind of like games and you play the game mm -hmm. using your mind. Mm -hmm. If we stick with the ADHD example and we assume, you know, that your particular ADHD is based on your frontal lobe at a particular area not active enough, and you play the car racing game, mm -hmm. then the car drives faster. If you're able to activate it a little bit more, get like to the focus state, mm -hmm. and the car slows down if your activation drops. Now, like what you have to do in that particular setup, just keep the car going as fast as possible. Like, the speed of the car changes like within 50 to 100 milliseconds after the change. And so it's a mirror of your current level of focus. So by having that experience, by trying to get the car going fast and realizing it's, it's a constant yes and no. When the car goes faster, you get a yes. When it goes slower, it's a no. And that's how we learn, right? As human beings, you do something and yeah. then you get feedback. Like you either get a reward or you get punished. So it's not that we really punish people. So we use that the speed of a car, the volume of a music and so on. What's very important, and that's where we spend quite some time on, mm -hmm. is that it's the same with every learning experience. If you doctor something that you don't want it to do and you punish the dog a day later, there's like no relation, you know, to the action. So the dog says like, what the fuck is wrong with that, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, and for like a learning experience in regards to the brain, yeah. depending on the modality, we talk about, like we at Normal, we try to stick around like 50 to maximum 100 milliseconds, you know, between mm. like we determine something and we feed it back to. You. 
And now the beauty of what happens, even like when we did the initial tests, still like at universities, people came up to us and said, oh, I found a way to trick your system. Now I found a way, like I can, I can control the speed of the car on purpose. There must be a flaw in your system. I hacked it. And we're like, oh, amazing. Because now you've figured out how to be focused when you want to. Mm. That's, that's the potential with, with that kind of technology, you know? And like, now I'm just talking about neurofeedback with biofeedback. It's kind of like relaxation. Um, on yeah, yeah talk about, what you're really great about that, and I want to want to chime in here just a little bit, is the fact that what what is the point of play, right? What is the point of, you know, if you look at that, like, why do people, like, why do animals play fight, right? Because play is a, is a form of practice, right? A form of practice. And that's why, you know, tigers play fight, and then because they're play fighting, hunting, and killing out in the wild, right? And you're, you're talking about turning something into a game. The reason why humans like games more than they like real life is that games are simple, direct, easy to understand, and you have a clear progression. The challenge with life is to choose your own adventure with infinite options, right? With little to no feedback, right? It's like you, I eat a cake now, I don't really, can't really tell that I'm gaining the weight, right? If I go fight with a loved one, I don't really know that I really, I messed up in it because I'm, I'm unaware. My, my wife gets mad at me and I don't know why she's mad at me. And I'm trying to recall what happened in the last nine months to get her mad at me. I don't have that feedback loop that a game is much more simple, direct, and gives you a sense of auto autonomy, progress, and mastery to move up towards something. And what's great about this is you're taking some things that are inherent benefits of being mindful, like focus, and you're putting it directly into a game. So you have a closed feedback loop of a game. So it allows people to then focus, which I think is great, and say, okay, I understand the game. My goal for the game, make car go faster. Uh, but really what you're doing is you're taking complex, you know, measurement systems of the brain and everything else, and you're feeding it into a closed feedback loop. So you're training them to become more focused. So someone wants to be more focused, but it's very hard to tell. You don't have any feedback. It's very convoluted, right? Unless you're a monk and you go meditate for 40 years on top of a mountain, it's hard to really know if you're there or you're not there. So you're making the invisible visible and putting it in front of people's faces and helping them by turning it into games. And I think that's fantastic. Cause I think we all want to play in order to level up, but sometimes, you know, it's hard and it's boring and you don't know if you're doing it right and you're not too sure what's going on and it can be very frustrating. So uh, I'd love to kind of dive into this a little bit more. You're talking about using games plus biofeedback to help people progress on some sort of leveling up system for their psyche or mental health or resilience or mindfulness, or insert the word that you in, want to insert for helping people become better in this esoteric, ephemeral, soft skills section. Can you talk to me just a little bit more about any other examples you have around using uh, games? So you have focus, someone is unfocused, probably ADHD or whatever, and you want to help them become focused, and you're using that biofeedback with a car racing game. Um, is there any other examples that you've you've done to help people get from A to B unfocused to focus by using biofeedback plus gaming technology? Um, there is, let me, let me approach it. Yeah. So I think there's a, there's a full spectrum of where people are, you know, yeah. from like peak performance, brain training, major league athletes, you know, like 
getting out the last two percent i think that's like on one end of the spectrum on the other end of the spectrum might be someone who's seriously depressed or traumatized or cannot go out of bed right yeah so everyone wants to progress you know like on the one hand we most likely have a medical condition and someone really needs help to get back to normal so we we have that that spectrum yeah like uh in general from uh brain brain state perspective um and you mentioned flow you know like if we look at flow there's a particular flow cycle out there you know um that also contains the different stages that we could be in you know so one of those stages is to be focused one of those stages is to be relaxed one of them is to be in flow eventually one of those is to sleep so to simplify it like let's assume every human being is like in one of those four stages at any given time so what we can do and what we have been doing successfully is to help people to be able to get into a particular state and to maintain it but to live a healthy life it's also extremely important to be able to transition into different stages because if i'm in that focus state and i got stuck there and i'm unable to get out of it you know then eventually i will end up struggling and then eventually we will call, call that burnout you know? <laughs> like, yeah. because i'm constantly yeah. stuck there so to approach it in a more holistic way and from my perspective it doesn't really matter so much at what part of the spectrum you kind of like start mm-hmm. proving yourself it's like you said it's important that we sleep it's important that we're able to to relax it's also important that we focus and get in new knowledge and then eventually it's also extremely rewarding for everyone to excel and just like be in that like flowy place so um after we spent those those first two years mostly focused on research we started working with um major league athletes and um clinics mm-hmm. as well as with the military to um do studies for ptsd Mm -hmm. like in a nutshell it was constantly all about helping people from a neurofeedback standpoint to cycle to transition into another state of of consciousness or another brain state you know like for all those four stages that i refer to there's a certain uh, dominant frequency that we can uh, see in the brain you know like for focus um it's smr which is kind of like low beta you know for relaxation it's alpha for flow we talk about high theta for sleep it's delta there's also like neurotransmitters neurochemicals that are related to it so that's kind of like the brain aspect and what we also added to most of those experiences is the heart rate heart rate variability aspect you know which is more like a more physiological approach because no matter what stage you're in like you're always like most of the time benefiting from just like not being extremely stressed out you know Mm. just like being relaxed so what we did we use um the the heart rate variability to guide you into like a like a optimized breathing rhythm 
while informing the rest of the experience based on your brainwave. So mm. now you mentioned something else extremely important and it is the guidance, you know, like knowing what to do, not knowing what to do. And that's um, something that like initially, like, like the neurofeedback clinics that we have been serving had a very simple setup. So there was like the neurofeedback software, like a brain scanner. And now there was a psychiatrist or a trained neurofeedback practitioner sitting right next to the coachee or patient or like whatever, like the, the context was, was guiding them through it. Because otherwise, if I just like sit you in front of like a screen and there's a car, like you have no idea what to do. So like eventually you get frustrated, you know. <laughs> like, so, and that's where the whole realm of... Um, cognitive behavior therapy, you know, comes in like guiding you through things, guided visualization and so on. And that also motivated us because I already mentioned earlier, we thought we have the holy grail to democratize mental health and roll it out. So keeping that in the back of our heads then also meant, okay, now we have a game and yeah, we can roll that game out as a game, brain scanners need to be shipped out and then yeah, everyone can download that game. But we cannot send like a billion people to like a billion users out there to sit right next to them. So we started to enhance the system that we have for also being able to have interactive storylines for guidance, you know, mm -hmm. like, hello, Dylan, please put it on. Oh, please, please look here because it's not well connected, you know? Okay, like, welcome, try this, feel this and so on, which is extremely important. Um, and I think that's also something that's pretty unique about our, our platform, um, which is the combination of, I would say, traditional neurofeedback and biofeedback together with interactive, personalized, individualized guidance. And in regards to guidance, we have been working with a bunch of different coaches, trainers, psychologists, and therapists, where I personally have the strongest feelings and belief for like, like cognitive behavior therapy, with ACT, uh, which is acceptance and commitment therapy, like heart therapy, you know, like framing things. Oh, it's just a part of you that does that, you know, not a part of you that's kind of like distracted and framing it in that way and guiding you through it, which then becomes a more comprehensive experience because the neurofeedback, for instance, by itself is... I would say mostly focused on reconditioning your neurophysiology more like on a subconscious level. And the CBT is now more like looking at the, at the software of your brain, you know? And I think the, the combination of those two things, and it's still like an ongoing question for me, you know, like what part is like the software, what's the hardware? And then like, obviously the software can influence the hardware and so on. So it's kind of like the completely, any created system to say and um yeah but like fast forward so we had that in the clinical realm and we are actually about to roll the first products out to consumer because yeah when we initially started 2014 um the market wasn't ready there were quite some 
aspects that kept us from rolling it out to to consumers like one of the missing pieces was a convenient affordable brain computer interface because i said yeah the emotive epoch that being said i don't know like if you know it but like you mm. there's like all those different mini sponges you have to yeah, yeah. water yeah. You have it's to great if you're bald yeah well you you're well off i'm not yeah. so much anymore yeah, totally. you know it's <laughs> like oh you do the training and then yeah like wash your hairs <laughs> yeah totally yeah so there's, there's there's better headsets out right now are you talking about like the muse or what are the ones that you're talking about right now that are the affordable good ones that are out the gate well, we, we integrate with the Muse and different ones. And that being said, our approach with um, the consumer play that we're about to get into is to provide consumers with almost as good as like a clinical medical device, you know, being able to do a proper brain map, mm -hmm. which requires not only a certain count of electrodes, but you also want to look at the whole brain and for instance that the muse is an amazing device focused on the prefrontal lobe yeah. and like default mode network you know yeah. meditation tracking and so on um but that being said just like based on how it's being built it's unable to look at other parts of your brain um which is important to do like a proper like qeg brain map for instance um the device is promising currently from a hardware standpoint is the next stem as well as the neurosity the crown is that the name of the i'm sorry is that the name of the uh, the hardware device you're talking about next step yes, hardware devices okay yeah they, they not, kind of like over over the last year ish mm -hmm. um they came to market mm -hmm. and dry electrodes like good sensor quality and yeah, we're really excited about that. And also based on being in the in the space since yeah, 2014, as of today, we connect to more than 50 different brain computer interfaces and so on, you know, because we have been true to our nature, we're like we're a software company, we do software, we do platform, <laughs> we do services around that software, you know, but like we're not getting involved in hardware. So that being Smart. said. A software that processes real-time biodata cannot do much without the real-time biodata that obviously comes out of hardware, you know? So we have been waiting for other people to step up who kind of like disembark on the journey of creating a sure. consumer-facing device. And like the, the variables are, I think, are pretty pretty straightforward it needs to be affordable the quality needs to be good you know and uh yeah it's always a trade-off you know it, we're always constantly waiting you know uh tech like the, the hardware is always like trying to take a uh, 10 pounds of shit and put it in a five pound bag you know you're always trying to max it out at a higher level do more with less and everything else yeah. um you know like the uh, and it was like virtuality headsets it's always like you know fifty thousand dollar systems and those and you know as, as someone who builds those types of applications you're like okay i want it super small super light super affordable but i also want to be able to be be able to bring in all of world of warcraft and shove it into a little mobile headset that also processes in real time which is you know a daunting task and i, I don't ever want to mess with hardware um that's a that's a terrible that's a terrible place to be in because you are limited by physics and and uh, and what you can do with that so and moore's law 
So uh, looking at that, um, what I like about this is so you're you're progressing on a computer, uh, a consumer path where you're saying the hardware now is good enough. And, and so you're talking about the, the Muse is only meant to prefrontal cortex, ruminating mind, default mode network, which is basically, you know, the narrative part of the brain, which oddly enough is something that I think you probably have extra experience with. What I do want to touch on is that you did some work, um, I know. Uh, you know, with Dr. Jeffrey Martin, and they had the great book called Finders, where they deconstructed enlightenment, um, and they went along the path. And so, okay, these are the different spots. These are the different kinds of uh, areas of enlightenment, uh, stage one to stage four, stage five. And this mm -hmm. is what this means, right? I'd love to, you helped in that piece of that. And I'd love to kind of talk to you a little bit about, uh, because I feel like it's going to segue into it, uh, enlightenment, parts of the brain that means that you're enlightened what are the what are the what is the technical other half to that deconstructing enlightenment piece and and how does that show up on a, on a neurofeedback neuroscience level mm -hmm. well like the the definition of um of uh, jeffrey in regards to the enlightenment he calls it mm -hmm. ongoing non-symbolic experience or persistent uh, non-symbolic experience right mm -hmm. yeah and from a definition standpoint, how he looks at it, it's um, strongly tied to emotions, right? Like mm -hmm. the, the, the stages that you describe is kind of like, like initially having like mostly negative emotions, having mixed emotions and having like solely positive emotions towards having one constant ongoing positive emotion might be mm -hmm. love towards no emotion at all, right? Yeah and on that particular continuum so what we um helped them with was uh with the data collection um with the um with the kind of like we we enable them to collect remotely not only brain waves but also heart rate heart rate variability as well as a galvanic skin response while well, people have been guided through the particular uh finders course protocol Do you, do you, I feel like what you're talking about a bit of that is around, yes, yeah, positive states, right? And yeah, if you look at like enlightenment states, is that you're you you can only it's, it's like you're only allowed to feel one half of your emotional spectrum. Uh, uh, you can feel neutral or positive joy, uh, and, uh, but if you go into the negative side, that's like anti-stoic. You know, you lose mm -hmm. that side of things. But I think part of that also is is when I wanted to bring it up and why I felt like it tied to it. It's all about the the ruminating mind default mode network where you don't have those those storylines that will impact you negatively like oh i'm not happy because i'm not as rich as uh you know bill gates or whatever right or whatever that thing might be but isn't it a part of it not only just the emotions which is one part of the mm -hmm. system but another part of it is the default mode network ruminating mind narrative story driven self and what that and and how that actually facilitates the creation if we're talking about software layers of mm -hmm. the human experience you know you have base feelings narrative story you know narrative storylines that then affect physiology psychology all that fun stuff so if you're looking at that isn't it a combination though of narratives and remaining minds and also emotions and absolutely so i think we can look at it um so there, there's the emotional aspect right yeah yeah and I would say that based on like the model that he created, that the level four or five is not necessarily better than level three. 
I personally think it really depends. Obviously, you don't want to have negative emotions. I think there's no benefit in like having negative emotions, right? <laughs> um, but that being said, if you don't have any emotions at all anymore, you might be not in an optimal. It depends what you want to do. If you want to run a company, if you want to run, raise a child, eventually you still want to feel something for it to be somehow like to care about it because otherwise yeah. it's like don't care about yeah, it. Yeah, what, what, yeah. Yeah. What do you do yeah. in this world? <laughs> those regards. And then to what you just mentioned, of course, it's totally true. Like the default mode network, yeah. a storyline, the narrative. So. I would, I would say there's like two different ways how you can look at it. It's kind of like in the mind and on the mind, right? So on the one hand, we have positive psychology, you know, kind of like in involving yourself in a particular practice and reinforcing to be grateful, you know, to think good things, trying to change your thoughts towards positive thoughts. And then on the other hand, there is another aspect to not be too tied up in your thoughts, right? Kind of like to have to be mindful, to be aware of your thoughts, but not to identify with them. Kind of like to see thoughts coming and going without being into them. Kind of like having that observance, like, oh, I just saw that, you know, but like not getting lost in it, not getting lost in that monkey mind in the stories, in the narratives. So to 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 summarize that, I think there's like and there's the emotional part, and eventually the thoughts are also the thoughts are informing your emotions and eventually your emotions inform like your thoughts, you know? So like if you have positive emotions, eventually you will feel better. And, but then on the other hand, I think it's also very important not to be too caught up in your thoughts, you know, like not to identify with, with your thoughts, you know, if that makes sense, just like from that, from that enlightenment standpoint, you know, to have that ongoing good, experience you know i think those are like the different the different i don't want to say ingredients you know but like eventually different perspectives how you can look at it mm. i like to be mindful of your thoughts um having positive or beneficial thoughts i think maybe that's a that's that's another way to look at it you know that your thoughts your behaviors and your emotions are helping you and who you want to be like contributing to like towards your higher or highest self instead of like being in the way so it's like oh i'm not good enough oh my gosh like he has more money than me i'm doomed and whatever you know like and and i guess we all get there on the other hand i think it's also part of the human experience on the other hand you know which is very very interesting you know, because I think there's all those ideals saying, oh, like, I only want to have this. I only want to do that. And but it's just like my personal opinion saying here, I think it's a full spectrum. Eventually, yeah. you can only be as happy, as sad as you're able to be, you know, every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. What's really interesting about that as we're talking about it is, you know, we're humans are prediction machines. That's what we're doing. We're predicting. If I put my foot in front of myself. I'm predicting that there's going to be ground underneath me. Us uh, walking is just a series of fallings, right? But I have belief. 
I, I have a, I have a narrative story that my foot's going to hit some ground in front of me and it's going it, to, and it's all going to work out. So we're, we're constantly predicting, but at the same time, we're getting these, these signals, these biofeedback, these, these emotional signals sent to us. Right. And so this, this energy that can come into me, I can either take it as anxiety or excitement. Right. But that right there is that second layer up of the narrative storyline that the meaning making machines, the predictive models that what this means is that I'm excited because this has challenged me to grow. Or what this means is that I have anxiety because I don't think I can take it. It depends on how, you know, how far you're pushing that Mihai, check Mihai flow zone, right? Are you pushing above the boundaries? Or are you going below the boundaries? Are you bored in this? Or are you calm and relaxed? Is it anxiety and excitement? So it's, it's being able to take those feelings, the biofeedback feelings that you're getting, apply those narratives on top of it, and then leveraging it so it's your benefit so that your emotions, much like technology, is serving you and, and it's not it's not inhibiting you from actually being able to like thrive at wherever you want to get to. Right. Because no matter what happens, you know, a, 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 a thing that could enhance your life or how to, I'm trying to find a way to put this because it's difficult in terms of labeling. But so you have experiences that could be a positive benefit. Um, you know, uh, I get hit by a car. Oh, what was me? The world's offered. Oh, I get hit by a car. Oh, great. This gives me another challenge to grow from. Right. It's just the applied meaning that you're giving the events, you know, the Victor Franco uh, book, you know, Victor Franco's book, Man's Search for Meaning. Do you know about that yeah. story? OK, so, yeah. So he just talks about between stimulus and response is our ability to choose and their lies your greatest power. And so what I like about what you're doing here is you're giving people more awareness in between stimulus, right, how they're feeling, and what's going on and the response they want to give. And so the, the, what you're using is like cognitive behavioral therapy. Do you want to say it's CBT? or this acceptance model. And you're saying, okay, this is this is what is. Now, what do you want to do? Great, take these steps forward to get you to a point where, where you wanna be. And so, um, and that's why I was curious about the finder's piece because I don't personally wanna have no emotions. I don't wanna be, I don't wanna get that thing. I don't like that. Me I, I wanna be, nothing affects me. I don't care about anything. I don't know. I, I wanna revel in the joy and the joy and the beauty and all that stuff. And if there's sorrow, there's sorrow. You cry, you let it go. You embrace it, you know, um, and there's that. And so I think there's I think there's value in that. And if anybody wants to be there, great. I'm happy for them. You know, enjoy. Enjoy that lifestyle. It's a choose your own adventure kind of thing. But um, what I want to tie in with what you're talking about. So, like, how did you leverage the lessons learned from from, you know, applying that and that that studies with non dual consciousness and all that stuff? And you're were the things that you pulled from that that you leveraged into neuromore that that really help people kind of get to where they want to go because obviously what you're saying is what you're providing is the game board of life right this is what you're feeling and this is what's going on in your world right great well what game are you playing is the game of being more focused is it the game of what is that game that you're that what lessons what i want to know from you is what did you take from the the those studies and those experiments helping with those people and then how did you bring it over to your own company in terms of lessons, insights, stories, examples to be able to help people get from where they're at to where they want to go? Mm -hmm. So in, in full transparency from uh, the, the enlightenment standpoint, you know, um, there is maybe down the road applications um initially i'm mostly excited about creating our ability to assess you and create a personalized brain training plan for let's say the next week or the next two weeks mm. i think it's very very important 
to have a personalized, individualized set of exercises okay. and then to reassess it very quickly because otherwise it would be, oh, you start working out, you do weight training and well, if in two weeks you still use the same weight, something is wrong, right? So we need to change. And yeah. eventually, if you constantly do your, like, you want to look, okay, where's the current bottleneck? And then you might realize, oh, my, my biceps is a little bit too big. Okay, let's do a week of biceps. And I'm kind of like simplifying, right? But yeah, like, yeah. then a week later, we look, oh, your biceps is fine. Now we might want to do your shoulders, you know, to constantly balance you out on the one hand. But then also, and I think that's where um, subjective input is very important to understand. What do you want to do? Like, do you want to, are you training for a marathon that's happening in like three months? Or do you want to do kite surfing? Mm. Or do you want to sit in the chair all day long and just make sure that you don't have any issues like long term? You know, like different things that you would do to your body. And I would say compared to our mind, the brain and consciousness, our body and the muscles, I think are pretty well understood and pretty simple, you know? So, and that's why we, and also me personally strongly believe in that constantly changing interactive system that looks at you right now and say, okay, like for the next couple of days, do that. Um, and then reassess because reassessing not only to see if you change to kind of like up the game to keep it challenging and so on. But on the other hand, I think what's also extremely important is to see if it worked for you. Because I think there's a lot of people out there, they try meditation and say, oh, it doesn't work for me. That meditation is like, oh, great. <laughs> you just didn't find like the particular way how to do it. And I think it's yeah. pretty much with all of it. And that's where I love the data, the objective mm -hmm. data, as well as the subjective. So I say, okay, amazing. We figured out what doesn't work for you. Let's try the next, next, next. You know, until so we found something that moves the needle that you want to move. And then you can keep on reinforcing that and then also do, do different things, you know. And that's also like um, an aspect coming back to that, uh, yeah, the, the, to the intention to democratize mental health. There's so many people out there suffering, right? And like the pandemic and wars and so on eventually don't make it any better. And access to doctors is extremely limited right so and a doctor the latin word doctor translates to teacher so i think like back in the day you're like a doctor if you see a doctor I should ask you oh what are you missing and like looking it from an approach you know eventually educational and that's also why i love like the cbt approach because that resonates pretty well with that so oh you have that issue so eventually you need to see something from a different perspective might be transformation or you might just like want to learn something new change a particular behavior and so on but now there's like so many different ways beginning maybe you're more receptive to a man or a woman talking to you or one of the one of the things you know like from the from the finders course you know mm -hmm. um we also need to maintain rapport because if you want to set an intention you know what's the most efficient way to do that 
it depends what you believe in and it depends on your belief system you can pray to god but if you don't believe in god and i ask you to pray to god eventually i lost you in that particular second you know like and you you're mentally gone yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, or you might ask the universe to support you or you might want to set an intention you know and it's just like three different ways from my perspective to do exactly the same um and eventually it makes all the difference and the technology that we have as of today enables us not only to ask you what resonates with you but also to realize what really works for you to as kind of like maybe the the geeky part of me but yeah i want to use like your programming language to change your programs right and like if i use a programming language or language that you don't understand it might be pretty meaningless what i'm telling you like what mm. i'm doing to you so yeah. but once i once i speak the right language and use the right ways then tremendous change can happen yeah. and if we ignore even if we ignore the fact that like access to to doctors or it's, it's already a luxury good i would say even like in the western world if you go to see a doctor if they have an anxiety most likely you will end up with a box of pills you know like oh that, that, that's the solution and eventually it's not like the the most sustainable solution but now even if you can afford to see um whoever you want to see I think it will be an extremely complicated journey for you to because you don't know who you want to see you don't know for yourself what modality works for you like what style works for you and what we see what will be straightforward more or less straightforward is like once we have a digital representations of all the teachings without any ego involved whatsoever then we just like throw virtual spaghettis at you and like we just like keep on throwing them at stick right <laughs> yeah no I love, uh, uh, I love the concept of throwing virtual spaghetti at people and seeing what sticks the, but you're right in terms of we're talking about precision medicine we're moving an area where you know we we hunter gather tribes all that stuff then we move into big cities where everything be kind of comes these templates the, the the areas of industrial revolution where it's like you know we're gonna make a thousand you know, pieces of paper the same or whatever it might be, it's, it's that. But we're now using a combination of this this AI and this big data and these these known frameworks to apply towards an area of precision medicine or precision personal care that allows them to be able to say, okay, I'm, you know, uh, who do you pray to, right? Spirit, source, God, Allah, whatever it might be, and it's gonna turn you off. And so you're saying there's different, there's different elements that will get people to get from where they're at to where they wanna go, either from, um, unhealthy uh mental mental unhealth to mental health or mental health to mental optimization right and there's there's two, two, two sides of those spectrums one side's therapy the other side's coaching one fixes trauma of the past while the other one focuses on future oriented right those are just the way those things look and they work but understanding where are you at on that spectrum where do you want to go and then you run them through a series of diagnostics that go okay you want to have uh, a very attractive female be your coach and and tell you all the things that you want to hear uh, a lot of positive things, uh, no kick in the pants. And we also want you to be able to, you know, whatever the thing might be for that person. And then you can feed them that experience or you can feed them those, that type of modality 
you know, using the frameworks that make sense from the teacher, the coach that makes sense, that will resonate with the person that will create the most effective change that is also that is also uh, effective and also long lasting. Is that kind of the goal yeah. by putting pieces together? Yeah, that's correct, because we can almost abuse neurofeedback and biofeedback protocols to constantly assess if you like an experience or not, uh -huh. if the music that we're currently playing to you relaxes you or not. Yeah. So in terms of like or not, is that is that biofeedback or is that self-reported? Uh, it's biofeedback, neurofeedback and biofeedback. Mm -hmm. Like for like a couple of years now, we are able to. Um, not on an absolute scale, determining yeah. emotions, but emotional tendencies. Like one second, one, one second, one second. I got to tell you about a thing. I got to tell you about the thing I saw a guy do. Um, he was some hacker online. He hooked up a brainwave thing to say what you like and you don't like, and he hooked it up to Tinder. And so it would automatically swipe back and forth on the girls he liked. And he goes, oh, that's really interesting. But then he hooked it up to the guy version of Tinder where it's only guys and he's a straight male. And he saw mostly no's, but occasionally he went, yes. He goes, ah, he's like, what does that say about me? <laughs> it was really funny. As you're talking about liking and don't liking and whether or not you have an opinion in the matter of if you liking or not liking things. Some yeah. Side note, just want to share it as one geeky fun hack. <laughs> um, but please continue. You're talking about what they yeah. like, what they don't like, and how to measure that. Yeah. And like is a very broad term, you know, yeah. because if we do a relaxation like exercise, then eventually the goal mm. is to relax you, for instance. Yeah. So yeah. I can ask you what music you want to listen to, but there's also like a nice story from like the early days, like back end of 2013, early 2014, mm -hmm. when we were testing the first version of the Normore studio. So we had the Emotive Epoch, it was like the campus of the university in Stuttgart. And we wanted to do a very simple focus assessment. So. The setup was very simple. We're like playing music to people to see if the music relax, uh, helps them to get more focused or not. People came in and like most of them, it, it, it wasn't like a, like a control, like huge study. We were just like looking for people like at the campus, like computer science campus, you know? So like the, the whole population there was kind of like computer science students. And a lot of them came in and we were like, oh, focus. We were like, oh, what music are you listening to when you when you learn? It was like, oh, I do that Mozart for brain power and here. So yeah, brain scanner on, software turned on. Okay, we have a baseline. And then we started playing the Mozart for brain power. What we saw was like almost all of them is that the opposite of focus happened. They got extremely unfocused. And we started like asking them and it was like, it's weird, you know, because like the initial idea also for them, like self-report was, oh, I always listen to that music when I learn because it's like, it's at most of for brain power. Long story short, after like doing that with like 20 people and like most of the guys uh, uh -huh. and girls that we did that, we're like, we asked them, what's your favorite music? They were like hard rock, heavy metal. We played that. I got extremely focused. And like the takeaway was just listen to the music that you like the most. And that will get you focused. Because learning with that Mozart for brain power is like eventually the worst thing that you can do to yourself if you want to focus. Because it was like, oh, no, it makes sense. Yeah, it, it really annoys me. It makes me like... <laughs> 
<laughs> why do you listen to it? Oh, because it sounds like Mozart for brain power. And I think that's like a very simple, primitive example, you know, yes. that a lot of people do a lot of things, you know, like based on conditioning, based on like whatever labeling without having any awareness um, what is very good for them. And I think it's also a neat way to pivot into a very, very important topic. Yeah. Um, because I believe that those tools, like the tools that we create, mm -hmm. are built and are meant to connect people with themselves and their intuition, you know? So we explicitly don't want to create a tool that like people use constantly for the same thing. It's more like once you learn to focus, you don't need the tool anymore. You might come back to use the tool to do something else, improve somewhere else and so on, you know, but it's really a learning system. And once you learn something, once you had a, like an insight, once you learned how to drive a car, you don't have to go to driving school again, right? You might go back to school for something else. And mm -hmm. it's also our, how we look at it from like a business model retention standpoint, like maintenance to do something else, but I don't want anyone ever to become a monthly recurring subscriber for anxiety or any kind of issues. We want to get people healthy as quickly and as fast as possible. And then, yeah, they might come back, you know, to do some maintenance, to do some optimization, or I just like stop using the system whatsoever because I say, oh, I don't have any issues anymore. I'm totally fine and I don't need anything else. I realized I have everything that I have, everything that I need. I don't need anything else. And yeah. That's a totally. terrible business plan. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> you want to keep them hooked, you know, no, that's a great, that's, but it's beautiful. You're talking about like a, a learning progressive plan, right? Okay. Where are you at on the spectrum? You want to get from A to B? That's great. Later on, if you want to get to, you know, you know, X to Z, great. And you, and you have these different paths for people to follow. And I think that's beautiful. And you're right. It's uh, people want the result of the brain power, but they're trying to do it the Mozart way when they're not the Mozart way. They're the uh, EDM music way or whatever it might be. It's like, you know, you got the result, but you need to test out yourself to get that precision medicine. OK, great. You got clarity in what you want. Now, how do you get there? What, are the, what, what works for you? And, and it's not going to be the same for everybody else. But once you find that, you can run them through the systems to really get that down. And once they learn that and they integrate that and they absorb that and they realize, OK, I have that tool, that tool, my, I know how to know, I now know how to use that hammer. Great. What's the next tool I need to learn? Here's some other tools I need to learn along the path for where I want to go, because maybe I live in a place of abundance and joy a hundred percent of the time. And maybe my friend wants to have no emotions and be a complete robot and live his life that way. It's totally fine. We're going to have two different paths, two different tools, two different outcomes, two different results. Right. But we both want to be better. And the problem is, is that, that, that definition of better, is different from my interpretation to the other person's interpretation. So, which is great the way you, that you, you say that you, you understand that like brain power Mozart, by the way, if I saw that on Spotify, I'd probably click it and I probably wouldn't enjoy the music, but I'd want that brain power. It's just not the, it's not the feel that works the power of my brain. You know, it's individual and it might also yeah. change for you as well. Like with the hammer, you know, because there, we are like at different stages in life, different circumstances and, like the only thing that I know with certainty, like I'm not the person that I used to be a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, you know? So Slow we all changed sure. one way or the other, you know? Yeah. So. And I think I mean, on this point, and I do want to ask you this, you know, with the company, with everything you're doing, 
like what's your what I call holy grail? Like what's that flag in the sand on the top of the mountain that made you know that which you know you've you've completed your end goal with creating neuromore? What does that look like to you? Um I would say like the, the current goal that we're striving for is to have an affordable, accessible, sustainable alternative to what's currently being offered in the mental health space, you know? So, and yeah, I'm, I'm talking about an alternative, you know, but like if someone like reaches out to, to his doctor or GP with like anxiety issues that, yeah, there's pills, there's offerings, <laughs> but then that there's also the option for people to get a box that contains a particular device, a brain scanner with like some additional modalities and is then just able to learn or get rid of that particular anxiety, whatever it might entail, you know, most likely some forgiving yourself, forgiving others, processing certain things, like letting go of certain things and so on, you know, but yet yeah, to, to sum it up, like I would say like we reached like the goal or kind of like a next huge milestone. Mm. Um, once we have an alternative in the market that people can use to learn themselves how to alleviate some um, things that are suffering with. Because, the, you know, the thing is, and um, we already have been working with like major league athletes and so on. And it was like, it's extremely fascinating to do that. But from a pure purpose standpoint, like, do we make the world a better place if we help team one to like win against team number two because they have a little bit more like mental flexibility or stamina or whatever? Mm -hmm. actually not yeah, yeah. But, purpose versus profit yeah. Yeah. but can we reduce like the percentage of people who take prescription drugs in the u.s you know significantly i think now we're, we're getting somewhere you know can we and then what i see as the next milestone is preventative medicine you know which then eventually is personalized individualized education to keep people from getting sick in the first place right and then eventually also children you know kind of like what do you need to learn what do you need to do what skills do you need to have um to kind of like never get depressed you know like just like stay on a, on a, on a good side to kind of like have a, a dual approach to it you know and um if we just talk about education i would say it's also it should be a, a highly individualized, personalized mm. process. Like, but the institutional school system coming out of the age of the industrial revolution, like I went to school in Germany, I think it's pretty much the same in the US, at least for most of the schools, there's all those boxes and all the kids are being put in exactly the same box and we learn all the same. Maybe there's like some choices like here and there, but I think the things that really matter to be creative, to express yourself, to learn how to deal with emotions, how to relate to each other and so on are topics that are currently not being taught. Yeah. Um, it might also be a reason that people have to learn it the hard way. <laughs> yeah. In a more therapeutic realm down the road, you know? 
Yeah, uh, pain's a heck of a motivator, you know. Uh, of course, pain, yeah. frustration, you know. Like, yeah. I've, I've just seen that, um, um, like parts of like my my girl, she's currently watching that um, uh, Richard Branson documentary, uh-huh. and you're like saying like most of the innovations have been created out of frustration. That's kind of like why Branson created his airline. You know, he was frustrated being training so shitty. You know, not doing it anymore. <laughs> okay, so so if, if you're talking about making affordable, sustainable, personalized health, and that's what you want to get into, and, and from the educational space, and not helping you know the uh, you know, uh, for the masses, right? And and reducing yeah. the uh, the drug taking and, and providing this alternative um, to health. What do you think is your dragon? What 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 is the thing that, in order to overcome it, is going to be the most difficult thing for you to do? What what's your dragon? So the dragon, like we already slayed a few dragons, you know. So I'm kind of like excited to meet the the next one. If that makes sense, because uh, one of the one of the dragons to slay was some. Uh, no hardware devices being available and i would say over the course of literally the last couple of months we kind of like um solved that issue i think the next big dragon will be um a pushback from the current system to say you know so and and i personally have a strong feelings just like from a strategic standpoint you know because it's not that we're against pills. It's not that we're against what's currently out there, like uh, in form like of a medical system. Um, we look at it more from a perspective to make it more efficient, you know, to increase the efficacy of like the current offerings to augment them, to complement them. But all that being said, I still expect a lot of push back a lot of people that are anxious because uh, I've been touching base on that earlier. And I think not only in the mental health space, but also in the mental health space, the players that are involved are like for-profit companies, organizations, and they need recurring revenues. Yeah. It's like, like a, a psychologist who would heal you within like 15 minutes would be out of business eventually or maybe not you know because everyone would go there but like the fear you know like oh i'm gonna see you next week and next week and then if i hear from people oh i've been working working with my psychologist on this for like four years there's like i'll maybe do something else you know (laughs) it's so common and i I think there will be a bunch of trains that say oh like you're trying to take our business away you're doing this you know and um it makes sense, man. I mean, you, uh, you know, the question is, it's it's self-focused or other focused, right? And and people are like, you know, they want to be able to have recurring revenue. And then if you come into their business stream and you're taking away money because you're healing people, it's one thing that people are hungry. People always have to eat food. You got to keep surviving food because that's a natural recurring cycle. You got to eat to live. You got to move forward right? as a as a as a product. Um, but and you're talking in the health side of things, you know, what happens if you cure cancer? You know, what happens if you fix problems that are someone's paycheck? And and at the same time, though, but if you do that and you create that goodwill for people, 
they would refer people. You know, if you if someone was in uh, a therapist's office for five years and they go in and they fix it themselves on their own in a couple of you know weeks or whatever, that therapist is going to lose a lot of business because they're going to tell a bunch of people, hey, man, don't spend all your money here. It doesn't work. Right. Because at the end of the day, we want results. We want to feel better. We want to be more. We want to whatever the thing might be. We want a result. And and if you're if you're providing something that is inherently better, you know, a uh, horse drawn bug and waggies versus a Ford car, you know, in in general speaking, you're going to put people out of business. But we got to grow. You know, you got to let go of stuff. People, have, you got to let go of some old ways. There's not many blacksmiths anymore making shoe horses. You know, uh, uh, so but that's what that's the way at the time. So. It does yeah, sound we, like and we have those cycles, right? Like in general, like the disruption through technology in general, and we will see it like all over from like self-driving cars, you know, I guess we will see it with like, like accounting, you know, I think the US is more progressive now, like QuickBooks is connected and like everything happens by itself. But there's countries like Germany, where it's still common sense that someone is sitting there and doing it by hand. And like those people will do whatever they can to kind of like keep their identity. They have been doing that like for 30 years. And I think, um, yeah, I can say that just also based on the research, unrelated, related, but I guess people are more likely to die before they change, you know? So there's yeah. like a strong identification of like what they do. And like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, totally. what do you mean? I'm, I'm not supposed to do that tomorrow. Yeah. So That's I so think- funny. But it will happen like throughout like many, many different businesses, but including here, you know, and I think there's a particular dilemma in healthcare for itself, because I'm totally aware that everything that we do and that we are up to requires money, resources. Yeah. Otherwise it's undoable. Yeah. But then there's, there's a huge part of my, and says, how is it possible that healthcare is an industry, a for-profit industry? Like, it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, prison systems also, you know, that type of thing. It doesn't quite make sense. Um, is there is there anything else? I mean, this is amazing. I love the fact that you, I love your mission. I love that you're you're empowering people to make their own health decisions and and really kind of remove them. Uh, moving the middleman from them and their health, which I think is fantastic. Is there anything else you'd like to let people know about before you tell them how to get a hold of you and your companies? What do I want people to let know? Yeah, like we're here to um, empower people, you know, and I think it's very important that we're not trying to get rid of the middleman. So I think it's because if we look at the people globally that have issues and the the amount and number of doctors that are available um there's a huge 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 like like difference and just looking at like the western world like the eventually highly developed or not so highly developed and evolved like western world you know so for us it's more about like helping all and maybe not the middlemen per se but all the doctors the teachers the the people who can really help people Mm. things differently to make them more accessible to help them you know to reach way more people so it's not about replacing them it's for us not about replacing human being it's more about addressing 
the current issue with scalability and affordability because the as of today answer especially in the mental health space for scalability and affordability is pills and yeah i'm not against particular compounds that can be amazing to interrupt patterns, you know, like we're also extremely active in the psychedelic therapeutic space, you know, and but as people know who are like in that space, the preparation is important and eventually even more important is the integration, you know, it's just like going from like peak experience to peak experience and just like shifts you from like, oh, I'm not depressed anymore, but I have to do that treatment now like every two weeks, you know, so like it's, it's not sustainable. Uh, I completely agree. And uh, yeah, there's uh, lots of different medicines, not always bad. It's just, you know, when does, when does it serve you and when does it, you know, when does it harm you? And that's, and that's kind of a, a individualized and also uh, looking at those, how do you integrate the medicine to actually change you versus letting, you know, pushing the button and, and wishing that you don't have to change, right? You know, there's that whole ego death issue. So it makes a lot of sense. You want to scale the impact the, of, of the transformative change and just make it easier for the masses. Um, and exactly. it's fantastic. Is And if people want to get a hold of you, Patrick, how do they do that? Well, um, uh, there's our website out there, mm -hmm. which is uh, neuromora.com. Mm -hmm. And the website as it is, as of today, it's still focused on our B2B enterprise model, you know, like the clinical model. Mm -hmm. um, what I have been talking about today is um, the very exciting to consumer route that we're getting into. So over the course of the next couple of weeks, we will also add more information um, to our website there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that's the that's the easiest way to check out our website with mailing lists. And, cliffhanger all right stay tuned everybody something special is coming if you're not a clinician or a university you can go to his website in a couple of weeks and find out some super exciting news so stay <laughs> tuned everybody patrick thank you so much for your time brother i appreciate you coming on the show appreciate all the work that you do uh much love and light and i will see you on the other side brother thank you thanks for having me and uh have a good day you too take care now bye Ciao. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.